Hello, everybody. Once again, Room with a Review Podcast. This week, a I think it's the oldest text I've actually covered overall since, well, other than War and Peace. Uh, it is 12 Angry Men. So I've mentioned a couple times now that my friend's got this list of 100 greatest movies to see before you die. And this is one of those movies. Gotta say, I loved it. If you've never seen 12 Angry Men, definitely worth checking out. Well, it is still black and white, quite a bit older than uh, the majority of movies that you typically would have seen, I guess. It's, it's a great movie. Cannot speak highly enough of it. Especially when you... Like, since I watched it, I did a lot of reading about it. And it was just groundbreaking in many ways. Very unique, very simple as well, too. But the way it... Is constructed the way it's set up a lot of things for the future. It's it's a very good film. Uh, so basically, the premise of Twelve Angry Men. It, we start off with a court scene, and a man is facing the death penalty for committing murder. So we get shown kind of the end of the trial component, the last couple of minutes of that, uh, and then as the opening credits role, we see the jury members filing into the jury room, their, their room where they meet and make their decision. Now, obviously, at this time, we've got, it's, you know, still very male-dominated dominated kind of world, uh, which is maybe the, the key criticism of this movie in that the jury is made up entirely of males. And yet, at the same time, we actually get a pretty good exploration of masculinity and why certain qualities are acceptable and not. And I actually think that even though it doesn't have... I don't think it's got a single female in it, really. Uh, there's a couple only in the opening couple of minutes, but after that, we just have these kind of 12 actors stuck in a room together. But they definitely explore issues of masculinity. So, you know... Let's get past that. But anyway, yeah, we've got these 12 men who are serving on a jury and they retire to make their verdict. Now, the jury has to be unanimous. So we start with 11 voting guilty, one against. Uh, And throughout the course of the film, they basically continue to discuss whether this man is guilty or not. They take a couple of revotes with people changing their minds a few times. Uh, but I'll let, I'll leave the ending, obviously, for people to watch. It's only short, only about 90 minutes long, very easy to watch. Uh, I watched it quite quickly. I mean, 90 minutes, I can't really watch it faster than that, but, but it didn't drag either. Like for a movie that's going to be a lot of talking, it definitely was paced quite well. There was enough movement. I think these revotes they had were good kind of progression points. You're going to go, okay, we've had another vote. We can see some development. I think they were evenly spaced out. And yet, in amongst it all, we kind of get exploration of each of these 12 men, their own view, their own reflections, who they are as a person, their own morals and judgments. And I think that's the beauty of this movie. You absolutely get contrasting views between all of them, different opinions and attitudes, discussions of... Morality, justice, masculinity, guilt, all of these things. Uh, Intelligence comes up, physical strength comes up. There are arguments, there are 
you know, attempted fights. They talk about the evidence. It's really, really well constructed. I think there's so much going on that, and, you know, I'm pretty sure it's PG. I don't think it's M. I don't think they swear. So there's definitely no sexual uh, discussion. So maybe a little bit of swearing, but very minimal. But being almost entirely taking place in one room with just 12, 12 actors, it's actually quite interesting. It's a very low-budget movie, relatively speaking. Like, you don't have to spend that much money to make this movie. Uh, and I think that... I mean, immediately, I'm just going to jump to some of these teaching applications here. I think it's, it's excellent for... If you're an Extension 2 student who wants to do film, this would be a great film for them to watch because you can show you how you can do so much with so little that you don't have to have extravagant sets and lots of editing necessarily. If you've got a good concept and story amongst it all, then that will come through. But I think even not just for extension two students, I mean, that's one extreme of a very small number of students. I think you could do this with a, a year 10 class that, depending on the if what you're studying, but for instance, I've done uh, comparative or thematic studies, novels and uh, films. To Kill a Mockingbird, there would be a case where this could work in. You could do it with something like Jasper Jones. I think there are a lot of avenues for where this would fit in with lots of texts. I mean, there's there's a whole genre almost now of crime and law and legal fiction, and I think this would definitely, well, absolutely is within that genre, but I think you could use it as a good kind of uh, starting point. Like, this is the launching point for... A, almost a lot of that genre, really, uh, especially modern way, like modern-wise. But I think you could do a really good comparison of this scene to the court scene in To Kill a Mockingbird. And while I'm not as big of a fan of the movie as some, I like the book a lot more, I think, you know, you could do... Maybe there's a 15-minute section where they talk about some of the evidence from this case in 12 Angry Men with Gregory Peck's wonderfully delivered... Atticus Finch monologue about justice and what's the right thing and the, the way this should be carried out. I think those two scenes would be excellent counterparts. I think they complement each other so much. So there's a lot of ways you could take this film. I think I don't think I would do it with anyone younger than... If you had, if you had a good, like a pretty good year eight class-ish, so like kids that are around 14, 15, I think some of those would get a lot out of this. I think they'd, they'd start to appreciate it. But it is one of those films where you do have to have an appreciation of the simplicity of it. And from my experience, a lot of younger students, they want something new, modern, and the moment it comes black and white, they're going to not, they're just instinctively going to go, oh, this is old and therefore not relevant to me. So obviously if you can work through that, that's always good. And I've, you know, I have done that with students before because you show them like, yeah, but this is still very impressive uh, and it's still relevant and, Often, once you get a couple of students interested in it, the others will follow suit. So I don't think necessarily that, you know, that's going to be always the case, but it is something you need to be prepared for if you're going to go with uh, certain students. So it depends on what your students are like, but you've got to know them really. But I think this actually does a really, really good job of many things. I think the camera work is really good. We We get... And again, we're just in a single room for this, almost the entire movie. There's a little, like, monologue type aspect in the bathroom. 
uh, where they're talking to the mirror and a couple of them talking to each other. But really, like, for the whole film to take place in one small room, not big, you could reenact it. I think if you did drama, this would have excellent implications. It'd be a very easy play to put on, really. You could definitely transform it into a play. You could even modernise it if you wanted to. I just think there's so much relevance to what's going on. I don't think it's necessarily been outdated at all, other than the fact that it's just an older movie that was made way back. But I think it would still speak to so many things happening in our world right now. And when we talk about justice and providing justice and accurate judgments about those things, exploring the evidence, critical thinking, I think this is an excellent, excellent example of those things. So 12 Angry Men, I, I, I mean, there isn't a lot to get into really to discuss because it is so short and I've kind of touched upon all of those things. I think you've got great, if we want to talk about like some of these textual concepts, I mean, there's a narrative, but we've also even got argument We've got point of view and perspective. Genre I've talked about, symbol kind of comes up a couple of times. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that, that, that appear throughout this movie that you could use to demonstrate most of the English sexual concepts. Context is maybe one that might be a bit harder. But even there's a discussion within the film, and I think of, of the, uh, the, the man on trials context and trying to rationalise his actions. So I think a lot of these contexts are these concepts you could discuss or teach quite well. We definitely get, you know, as I said, some already like narrative, character, perspective, point of view. All of those are definitely amongst it. Coding convention is part of teaching any text, I would argue anyway. So I think there's so much within this that you could use to, to cover so many things. And it's really one that, because it's so short, I, you just have to watch it uh, to really take away what you want from it. There are some great couple of scenes about, as I said, this, this contrast between different viewpoints. I think you could even do it in legal studies. I don't think this is just a... I think this is such a, such a well-made text, universally applicable, that yes, all right, I concede that once again, its lack of femininity in female characters is slightly problematic but I do think they also do a good job of exploring masculinity that it actually goes the other way where it makes up for some of that so yeah in terms of 100 best films ever made it's definitely on that list for me based on ones I've seen and I think as I get through some others of this list that I haven't seen I'll be interested to see now I think it's really motivated me to get through this list uh, whereas some that are on the list I could question maybe and I'll think about whether or not I ever do those. I'm not going to initially rewatch any of the 100 films but I do think that 12 Angry Men is going to be a mainstay on there. I think it's going to be one that I would argue for. Uh, I've already talked about a couple with it to a couple of colleagues about how applicable it is to so many different things. So 12 Angry Men, fantastic, loved it. Definitely, definitely something that everyone should consider. As I said, it's not long to watch and I've kind of given you the rundown of what's in it. I don't need to keep going on about it. So this is going to be a much shorter episode than some of the others, especially last week's. And I think in terms of a good contrast to Detective Pikachu, a attempted crime investigation justice type story, you know, it doesn't even hold a candle to it. 
uh, to 12 Angry Men. So I'll be back with War and Peace in just a moment. War and Peace update. I continue to stay on track, although I'm not getting ahead any further. I'm just staying the chapter a day. So I think that was a good target to set. I'm glad I didn't try to do something like 10 chapters a week. It wouldn't happen. Although I've had a couple of longer chapters in this last uh, week or two, whereas I've looked ahead a little bit just to see the length of chapters and some of them are quite short. So there's a chance, although I'm not optimistic, but there's a chance that I'll be able to push that out a little bit. So I'm pretty happy with uh, my progress, I think I'm happy I'm staying on track. I've discovered that Fridays are my my bane in many ways of reading, being the end of the week, being that little bit extra tired, trying to get some extra things done before the weekend so I can kind of have spare time on the weekend to do things like record a podcast. Uh, is working, so I'm just figuring that out. On the weekend, though, I typically have time to catch up on some chapters, so it's it kind of works out. I'm not too unhappy about that. I think it's fine. I really like... Uh, where, where it's going still, I think we're slowly getting into things and we kind of get a lot of depth. Like it's very, I'm trying to find the right way to describe it because it's not overly detailed. Like that was the problem with people, people often say that about Tolkien, but I also had the same problem with David Bulgaria. I didn't like his stuff, but I really like Tolkien. So uh, it's not overly detailed, but every kind of moment is almost accounted for. And in many ways, I think it's more reflective of how things actually happen, that things don't just happen one day to the next, to the next, to the next. It's things slowly take shape over a series of days or weeks or months. And I think that's kind of what War and Peace is covering in many ways. I was trying to think about other books that are quite long and for some reason, I don't know why, the first one that came to mind is some of those, those middle books of the Harry Potter series, like uh, Goblet of Fire and Order of Phoenix, and if you think about those, it's not like, like they skip over quite a lot. Like we have kind of whole weeks to get summarized into paragraphs. Whereas War and Peace, we ha- it hasn't really happened much. There might be some jumps from time to time, but because it's covering such a, a large scale of things and we've got all these different characters and things happening at once, it, it, does go into detail for each of these things. And so we get kind of whole days broken down into multiple chapters rather than in Harry Potter, we might get two or three days in one chapter. So I think that's kind of the key difference as to where its length comes from. But I don't mind it. I think it's good because as I said, it's much more reflective of how life actually happens. So the last few chapters I've read, we're continuing to see some of these more social aspects there's definitely more discussion about the role of the Tsar and the Emperor and how much love they have for him blah 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 which is fine I don't mind it uh, it's definitely contextual and we're starting to get a little bit more complexity around it but I think also though that it's, it's just I don't know it, it hasn't really still I'm still waiting for it to get into the meat of it and maybe it has already and I'm just missing that but I think it feels like there's something bigger to come I don't know maybe it's just me but yes we've got 
a couple of characters now that are definitely starting to go down their own path. We're starting to separate and deviate from having kind of more confined storylines to a couple of areas to moving into a few different areas. So that's all right. But yes, we had a duel and it was kind of a funny moment where neither man was willing to apologize. Neither men wanted to actually engage in the duel, but they wouldn't back down either. Yeah, I think it's actually getting difficult for me to also remember what fell, what I talked about last week as opposed to this week. Uh, even though it's only been a week, you know, I'm not reading significant amounts that it's been a long time since I've read those things, so I remember exactly what was happening. But I also don't remember if it was at the end of last week or the start of this week, some of these things. But for now, continues. Maybe I need to start giving fortnightly updates if I'm not getting through enough. But I'll see how I go. I don't, as I said, definitely worth reading. Continue to endorse it. It hasn't really turned me off yet. But I am about a quarter of the way through. So we'll see how we go. That's it for me this week. Much short episode. So you can hopefully get through the Detective Pikachu one too. Uh, again, I'll repeat that one was maybe my favourite one I did. Despite being my least favourite text. <laughs>